Welcome to Square Wave. This week on the show, the composer with the greatest average disparity between the quality of his music and the quality of the games it supported. It's Dean Evans.
Welcome to the show. You're listening to Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM. And Square Wave is an audio exploration of every video game soundtrack ever made. And it's a history show, so I don't talk about industry news here or new events, announcements of games or releases or reviews or anything like that. None of that happens. We like to stay focused squarely on the past and, and talking about and bringing attention to the composers of Days of Yore and uh, and the music that they created. That's what Square Wave is all about. Uh, but there was something that happened this past week that it was really significant and something that I do want to bring attention to with the opening minutes of my show this week. So if you're following the show on Twitter... You already saw me talk a little bit about this. I, I retweeted a tweet with, with this information. But in case you aren't, you, you probably should be following the show if you enjoy Square Wave. Um, just remember that this show only runs during the summer, which means there's only about four, maybe five more weeks of shows that I'll be able to bring to you on CKUW before System Kids returns in September. So if this show is something that you enjoy and you don't want to miss more of my content in this realm... Um, when I'm not on the airwaves, you can connect with the show via Twitter. So again, Square Wave CKUW on Twitter. And anyway, last week, the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics kicked off. Of course, a year late due to the global pandemic. Um, it's nice to see people coming together for sure. Just personally, I, I, I like that the Olympics are going on, but it is sort of uh, a really bright spot, at least from my perspective, during the opening ceremonies. You know, they began in the usual way. But then something very different happened this year when the athletes began their parade into the Olympic Stadium. All of a sudden, there was video game music being played. And it was sort of an important moment, I think. I went back and watched it, and it's definitely worth watching and, and pulling the video up online and checking out the set list. Um, it includes tracks from games like Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, Chrono Trigger, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Gradius, just to name a few. Um, and... It was it was a really nice moment for me to to understand that that you know that maybe this was one of those breakthrough moments for for the video game music and seemed significant and something that I wanted to bring attention to this week. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, you can still find videos online as well as the set list, like I said. So go and see what songs they got to play for the athletes as they walked into the stadium because you won't hear them on Square Wave this week. This week. We're playing the British composer and sound designer Dean Evans, who began working on video game music in March 1991 at a game developer named Ocean Software in the UK. And Evans co-composed or composed many of Ocean's licensed titles beginning in the early 90s and going through the front half of that decade. And the games themselves were of dubious quality, but the soundtracks which are created by Evans, particularly in his work on the Super Nintendo, sound almost otherworldly in its ability to transcend the limits of the system and show what it was truly capable of. And even, I don't know that this has ever been recreated, except for uh, maybe a few other studios truly unlocked the power of the Super Nintendo sound chip, the SPC uh, sound chip created by Sony uh, that was inside of each Super Nintendo. And I believe that Dean Evans and the software, the, the tools that he had there at Ocean, really allowed him to open up that system and, and get the most out of it. So without further ado, I'm going to play for you now a song from the Flintstones game uh, for the Super Nintendo. And remember that, that the, these are licensed games, often done in a very quick amount of time, very short amount of time. And you'll hear the, the song being played, and 
this does not sound like a Flintstones song at all. I mean, you don't, it doesn't at all evoke what you might think of when you think of Fred and Wilma. And I'll tell you about why that is later on in the program. But for now, enjoy. This is the unused song number two from the Flintstones soundtrack for the Super Nintendo. And we'll be right back on Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM.
welcome back to Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM. As I said before the break, this week we are examining the work of Dean Evans. He's a British composer and sound designer who's widely recognized for his work during the early part of the 90s decade. And there's not much written out there about Evans. His education, his early life, I, I usually I can find things like a date of birth, uh, what their musical training or background was, um, some of their influences sometimes. Not a lot of that out there for Evans, unfortunately. Very little, in, especially in the last two decades. Almost nothing in the way of interviews with Evans or, or really good resources that I could find for telling you about his early life. And I really wish that I could because he appears to have come into the industry with a fairly good grasp of what it means to program and write music for hardware because he began working at Ocean Software in March of 1991. As far as I know, that's his first entry into the video games industry. And he immediately was put to work uh, composing and programming the music for a game called Pushover, which was for the Amiga originally, which is a home computer that was released by Commodore in 1985. And on this soundtrack, uh, Evans worked with Keith Tinman to compose the score, and documents I could find about it. Um, I've watched some videos, but documents I could tell you about the development of this game. And from Evans' own YouTube channel, there are some comments that he's written there on on some of his on some of his videos. You can find a bunch of uh, his songs that way. Uh, but he was working on this game with a tool called Octamed, or Octa-M-E-D, which gets that Octa part of its name because it was capable of controlling up to eight channels simultaneously, although the Amiga could only really put out four channels at a time. So I want to play a track for you from the game Push Over uh, for the Amiga that was co-composed by Dean Evans and Keith Tinman. And I want you to know that this sound, uh, the song you're about to hear was composed and put together using only three channels. So there's only really three voices at a time making this music. And though I said that there were four channels for the Amiga, the fourth one was always reserved for sound effects. A fairly common practice at this time. So let's hear the track now. This is Space Station, released as part of the pushover soundtrack for the Amiga, co-composed by Dean Evans and Keith Tinman. We'll be right back on Square Wave. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the show. What you just heard was Space Station off of the Pushover soundtrack released by Ocean Software for the Amiga in 1992. And it was composed by Dean Evans, who's the artist that we're playing the music of this hour. And the game Pushover, which I mentioned earlier was a puzzle platformer, uh, it would also be ported to the Super Nintendo by Ocean later on that year. And on this port, Dean Evans was responsible for arranging all of the tunes that he had written there with Keith Tinman for the new hardware for the Super Nintendo. And Evans said that initially he didn't really like composing for the, for the Super Nintendo. He found it difficult to work with, that it was quite awkward um, to program for, especially using the, the pre-programmed software that comes packed in with the Super Nintendo dev kits. And when you listen back to the pushover soundtrack, the Super Nintendo version, that is, it does sound similarly stilted. It's it's tangible how awkward it sort of is to work with that, at least initially for Evans. And I did find some quotes from him about how the and the packed in software just wasn't wasn't very good at what he was able to what he wanted to accomplish. Um, as well, the, the Super Nintendo development kits, they had their own pre-programmed samples into them, which were created by Sony. And when game developers relied on those pre-programmed, those pre-packed in sounds, when you would write a soundtrack with those sounds, you would sometimes have games sounding very similar, even different games, maybe even by different companies. And sometimes this is budget-related because it was very expensive to... Uh, go out and record your own samples, which you could do on the Super Nintendo. Uh, but there are two games that Evans would work on right after the port of Pushover that would sort of share this fate, that would both sound sort of uh, audibly quite similar because they were both using the packed-in software by Sony. And these games are Cool World and Lethal Weapon. They're both licensed games based on movies of the same name. They both released in the front half of 1993. And, you know, the games aren't very good. <laughs> I've, I, I've never played either one of them, but I've read some reviews and watched some videos and not, not looking like a great experience. But the soundtracks do stand out, and they are way better than the games that they supported. And you'll notice that's one of the major themes of... Evan's career as we're going to go through this hour, but I've got two tracks for you now, one off of the Lethal Weapon soundtrack and the next one off of Cool World soundtrack. This is Mission One and Car Ride, respectively, both by Dean Evans, released in 1993 for the Super Nintendo. We'll be right back on Square Wave.
Welcome back to Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. We just heard two tracks by Dean Evans, a video game composer working on the Super Nintendo in 1993. And I don't know if you could tell there, but those two tracks did, at least to my ear, sound a little similar. And that's because, you know, despite being completely different games, they both pulled from that pre-packaged sound library that came with the SNES, the Super Nintendo dev kits that composers relied on to add sound to their games. Uh, but this would soon change, however, as the team at Ocean Software was working on a new tool that would help them realize their dreams of making truly excellent soundtracks on the system. You see, by mid-1992, Barry Leitch, and Barry is another composer working at the Ocean Software team at this time, he had begun designing what would be called Ocean MIDI Editor, or M-Edit, and he did this in consultation with Dean Evans and Keith Tinman, and originally I believe it was for uh, the DOS games that the Ocean Software team were putting out. And the final result gave them a tool sort of like Octomed, which is the one that I mentioned uh, in the front half of the program, where we it, it allowed them to create those soundtracks on the Amiga system. Quickly, this was brought over to the Super Nintendo when it was ready in, I assume, sometime in 1993. And it would be later modified to allow for instant play, playback. And that would make it much easier to begin programming and working with for these composers. And Evan says that with this new sound driver behind their music, the team at Ocean Software was finally able to do quite a bit more with the Super Nintendo chip. And while working with the tool, Evans would often just experiment and write songs without a particular game in mind, just play around with the tool and see what, was, what it was capable of. And he would save his completed tracks so that when the developers had extra space on their carts, when the games were finished, if they had some room, they would just throw some of those tracks onto games. And this is how you wind up with that sort of trance sounding song that I had also in the first few minutes of the show on a Flintstones game. And the first Super Nintendo game that Evans would write for the new tool would be 1994's Jurassic Park 2 The Chaos Continues, which perhaps betrays his ultimate pivot into composing for film that would happen a few years later in a few years time, about 10 years after this, because the game sounds as though its music was pulled right from a movie. It really does, it doesn't strike me as a video game soundtrack per se. It's very much a movie uh, audio soundtrack. Very impressive for its time. And, and the first time he would come out the gate with this new M-Edit tool at Ocean Software. And around this time, Evans was also working on the Flintstones movie tie-in game that was developed by Ocean Software. And that would come out in January of 1995. And I've got one more track from that game that I'd like to play for you now. This is the staff role from the Flintstones game, the movie tie-in published and developed by Ocean Software. And this song's written by Dean Evans. We'll be right back on Square Wave.
That was Staff Roll from the Flintstones soundtrack released for the Super Nintendo in 1995. And if you were alive at that time, you will remember that the world was about to go nuts for early 3D graphics. And it's a fairly well-documented phenomenon here that everyone in the industry was just about to lose their minds over this. And to this day, uh, people still share images of, of quotes pulled from magazines where they chastise some of the most beautiful 2D hand-drawn sprites uh, that had ever been made and instead praise the muddy 3D graphics of other games that were coming out at the time. And as it turns out, this phenomenon wasn't, you know, game developers, the, the game developers weren't immune from this. They felt it too. And Ocean Software was no different, unfortunately, for the games that were coming out at this time, you see. They were also working on a Green Lantern game for the Super Nintendo. Um, the Green Lantern was a fairly popular comic in the early 90s. Um, that was until, of course, they set him up for a heel turn around this time of 1994-1995. And that would lead into a new character taking on the titular role. And, of course, this had a huge impact on... Ocean Software's Green Lantern game, it basically had to be rebuilt from the ground up, featuring this new character, and they would bring in the old Green Lantern, who was now a villain, and, and it basically it set the project back months and months. And the, after they were done with these significant changes, now we're into 1995, now the PlayStation is about to release, Nintendo's next console is looming, Ocean decides to cancel the Green Lantern game, which was at this point almost entirely finished after it's being rebuilt, and instead focus their efforts on new 3D titles. And I'm glossing over huge swaths of this story. It's really a fascinating um, look into the past at, at what was going on in these, uh, in these companies at this time, and just all the kind of development hell you can get into trying to create a game like this. Um, you can find out more about this story in a book called The Games That Weren't. But this essential, but this cancellation, it essentially spelled the end of months of Evans' work on the soundtrack for the game. Um, he would eventually release uh, some of these tracks on his YouTube channel in 2012. That is, Evans would finally get to share all of the work that he had done on this new tool created just recently for the Super Nintendo uh, called M-Edit. We talked about that in the last segment. But you could finally kind of enjoy these tracks. I've pulled aside two of them now. This is High Score and Title Screen for the unreleased Green Lantern game scheduled for release in 1995 by Ocean Software. You're listening to Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM. <laughs>
Welcome back to Square Wave. What we just heard were two tracks from the unreleased game Green Lantern. And in particular, that second song, the one that just ended. To me, it just sounds unbelievable that it was coming from uh, Super Nintendo. The samples in it are so clean and clear, and the way the guitar sounds... Although it may not be to everyone's taste, the fact that it was produced on a Super Nintendo blows me away. It's really remarkable what Dean Evans could create with the power of M-Edit software, and it's sort of a tragedy that we never got the chance to hear and play the finished game. All on this matter wasn't lost, though, as players did get to hear portions of the Green Lantern soundtrack in Ocean Software's late 1995 release of Waterworld, which is a game licensed from the Kevin Costner box office flop of the same name. Now, unfortunately, the game didn't fare much better than its namesake, but again, we have a case where the music surpasses the quality of the game by a significant margin. And it's a shame that it couldn't have been tied to a better game, because what Evans is able to achieve here on Waterworld is just incredible. Waterworld is the last game Evans would compose at Ocean Software, as he would leave the company for Infograms in 1995. By the year 2000, Evans he would leave Infograms as well to go freelance and later begin his own audio company. Now, during this time, Evans would only compose two more games, those being Taz Express for the Nintendo 64, and an original, finally an original game called Silver that was an action RPG released in 1999 for Windows OS X and later Dreamcast. Apparently that game was pretty good. I've decided to end today's show with two songs from the Waterworld soundtrack, those being Map and Diving. These were both composed by Dean Evans. This whole soundtrack is absolutely one of my favorites, and these are some of the best songs that were ever composed on the Super Nintendo. Thanks very much for listening to Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. My name is Dustin Rogers, and I'll see you next week.